Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Who holds the keys to the college football playoff race? That is the question we're asking today, among a variety of others. Welcome to the Heart Count. We are on the air right now, as we are every single Tuesday, every single Thursday, 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern. We're so glad you're here. You got a lot going on. Some of y'all are working your summer internship right now. Some of y'all are grinding at your real job. You got a lot on your plate. Pick them up for about an hour or so. We're just going to talk college football, the sport that we all love here. we got a lot to jump into. Like I said, who holds the keys to the college football playoff race? There's a couple of key variables we have to assess from different parts of the country. Going to be a whole lot of fun. We may actually have to do a part two of that one in the future. So stay tuned for that one. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. What are some teams, some programs, if you will, that you are buying stock in across the college football landscape over the next five years or so? Some you maybe have to pay a little bit more for than others in terms of the stock that you're buying. But I think it's a fair question to ask right now as we sort of take a look across the Power Five conferences. We'll see if those Power Five conferences stay the Power Five. But even so, we'll tell you who we're buying stock in as it pertains to the future. Schedule prediction season rolls right along. Taking a trip to Columbus, Ohio for this one. Head coach Ryan Day joined the show last week. So we felt like it was only fitting to predict his team's record in 2023 for this week. Now, before we get into all that, though, or actually at the end of this show, rather, uh, Recruiting 101, Summer Recruiting 101, Professor Josh Newberg from the Inside Scoop, National Recruiting Analyst for us here at On3, helps us sort of take an all-encompassing look at how we should evaluate Summer Recruiting. Because there's some of us here that just show up for week zero, and that's fine. We love you just the same. But we also understand that the lifeblood of this sport 
is the recruiting. And so Josh is going to break down some strategy, break down what these schools are processing as they try and sort out their official visitors during the summer, and why these quarterbacks are committing even before their official visits. Should be a whole lot of fun. As we always say on this show, however you're joining us, whether it's on podcast, whether you're on Spotify or Apple, or whether you're on YouTube with us right now, essentially live, we're glad to have you here. We're cut from the same cloth, so make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you like the video as we keep this 100-like streak intact. Thank you in advance for that. And if you're on podcast, make sure you leave a review, five stars, all that. Listen, we've wasted too much time already, so let's jump right into it. No huddle, no mercy. Who holds the keys to the college football playoff race? I'm not talking about just one team. I'm talking about potentially impactful pieces for what we're looking at on Selection Sunday. And I said this in the opening. I'll say it again right now. This is not an exhaustive list. We may have to do several volumes of the most impactful pieces. Who holds the keys to the college football playoff race? But I think one place we got to start is a team that is expecting to compete for a national title in 2023. A team that's been to the college football playoff now two years in a row. That's the Michigan Wolverines. The piece that's most impactful and the, and the individual that I think is holding the keys for that team is J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback going into his second year as a starter there. And the question I have to ask is, if Michigan is dangerous already with what J.J. McCarthy was in 2022, which is not a bad quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, I think you make a very real case that he's going to be the top quarterback in the Big Ten going into 2023. But the way they did it last year, it was bully ball. It was, we're going to move you against your will. We're going to hand it to Blake Corum. We're going to hand it to Donovan Edwards. And there's not much you can do about it. Okay, there's, that's kind of how we're going to do things around here. So that was the 2022 formula. And we've said this a couple of times on this very show. But if J.J. McCarthy evolves and elevates his game and the offense evolves with him how much more dangerous is Michigan going to be for everybody else because we talk about it with the game against Ohio State and the statement they made in the second half and, and that's all true but we we got to talk about this they weren't really running the ball all that well in the first half it wasn't the black and blue downhill kind of attack that we had seen from Michigan during the year they were actually having trouble running the football at half we were all saying all right Ohio State stopped the run. Let's see if they can, you know, get some points here in the second half. Like that was the conversation we were having in the press box before that second half avalanche sort of happened. So to put it simply, if J.J. McCarthy and this Michigan offense are able to be as dangerous through the air or even a variation of as dangerous through the air as they are on the ground, Michigan's going to have a chance to play for a national title. So much back on this team. They're in the top five in terms of returning production in the country. Like Michigan expects to compete for a national championship. J.J. McCarthy taking that next step and the offense taking that next step with him, quite frankly, is going to be, without a doubt, a piece that we have to watch in this college football playoff race. So that's Michigan for you. But let's move on. Let's go out to the West Coast now. Let's talk about the USC Trojans. Caleb Williams is the man, absolutely. But what about the defensive side of the ball? Talk about that in a second. Make sure you're subscribed right here to the On3 YouTube channel. We talk ball every single day, baby. You love this sport. We love this sport. Subscribe. All right? We're, we're just getting started over here. All right? I'm just saying there's a lot more content coming your way. 
when we hit football season, but we've been doing content every single day. We've been talking about this sport every single day on this very channel, on this very program, the hard count. All right, so make sure you're locked in. Now, as I was saying, Alex Grinch is the man in charge of the defense there at USC. And I think he absolutely holds a key for USC to play for the college football playoff. Because there's not so much a question about personnel as there was a season ago at USC. Like, they did a great job forcing turnovers, and some of that I think you have to credit Alex Grinch for, but the trenches, man, were not up to par. Stopping the run was a problem for USC, especially in big-time spots. Tulane had their way, Utah had their way, especially in the Pac-12 title game. And so, with the way they've upgraded personnel-wise, especially in the defensive line, adding Barry Alexander, adding Anthony Lucas, that shouldn't really be the problem for you this coming season at USC, you would think. And if the personnel isn't the problem on the defensive side, well, who do you look to then? The guy in charge of the personnel. The guy getting this defense lined up. And I look right at Alex Grinch. We've said it many times here. The defense is going to be the difference for USC. And I think if you're not looking at personnel and you're looking at the coach, that's the difference between USC playing for a New Year's Six Bowl again and you know having a good shot to compete for the Pac-12 championship, but maybe they fall short in that title game again, like kind of being second best. It's the difference between that and then playing for the college football playoff and competing for a national title, which quite frankly, you have the quarterback to do. And that's the most difficult piece to acquire. If you have the quarterback, you got a shot. Don't let the defense be the reason why you don't compete for a national title in 2023. So for Alex Grinch, I think the responsibility falls on him. He will, without a doubt, be one of the pieces that holds a key for USC to compete for the college football playoff. And that in itself will send ripple effects across the country in terms of what USC does and who grabs one of those four spots. So keep an eye on USC, man. I think they are going to be a player in that whole conversation to say the least so keep an eye right here we'll actually we'll predict our college football playoff picks here in the coming months coming weeks keep an eye all i'm saying all right tommy reese is another person that i think holds the keys for a college football playoff spot for alabama we talk about it a lot on here people just seem to have a short memory with nick saban there's been sort of this What's the right way to say this? People have sort of looked at Nick Saban in Alabama and said, man, they, you know, they are what college football has been. And that's true. They definitely are what college football has been in the sense that they have reeled off their fair share, more than their fair share, really, of national titles. But let's, let's, uh, let's sort of remind everybody here. Nick Saban in Alabama going into last year, this time last year, we were talking about them being the favorite to win the national title. And Will Anderson was a big part of that. Bryce Young was a big part of that. And it didn't go the way that you wanted. But Alabama and Nick Saban are very much so still one of the most talented teams in the country. They haven't recruited outside of the top two since 2019. And I say since 2019 because that's probably the class that is still on campus in Tuscaloosa. So they've recruited well even before 2019. But let's just look at that sample size. What I'm trying to say is the roster is still extremely talented. And so getting back to what I was talking about originally with Tommy Reese, Alabama in my opinion, is going through a philosophy shift back to what they were. And what they were is bully ball. The, the, the word that comes to mind or the phrase that comes to mind is game control. How do you control the game? You control the line of scrimmage. How do you control the line of scrimmage? Offensively, you've run the ball effectively. 
And we've seen Tommy Reese, when he was at Notre Dame, they ran the ball really effectively, almost 200 yards a game on the ground for the Fighting Irish. And so the reason why I think Tommy Reese holds the keys for Alabama, we don't know who's playing quarterback. Like, I would love to sit here and tell you that Jalen Milrow is going to be this, that, and the other for Alabama. He's put up this much production, so that then puts the responsibility on the defense or whatever it ends up being. We don't know. Could be Jalen Milrow, could be Tyler Buckner, could be Ty Simpson. Like, we, we just don't know. But I've said this before on this show. I will say it again. I believe that Alabama will want to have the engine of this offense be the O-line, be the run game, be the ground game. Quarterback's going to be an accessory. Quarterback's going to be the guy that just can't miss the open shot and put us in good positions. But Tommy Reese is going to be the architect behind this offense that needs to be consistently in third and two, third and three. Okay, we picked that up. Now keep the chains moving. Like, take time off the clock. Put our defense in good positions. Like, it all starts with how you call the game and how you approach the game. And a big part of that, obviously, is going to be on Tommy Reese as the OC for Alabama. He's the mastermind behind all this now. And so the shift back to game control, bully ball, Bama starts with Tommy Reese. And if Bama can play game control on offense, well, then the defense, one, gets to rest because you're watching your offense go for a 10-play drive and score. Also, it probably puts them in good positions. Like if you're playing game control effectively, you pick up a couple first downs, take some time off the clock, and worst case scenario, punt it back to your opposition and give the defense a little bit of breathing room. Now, I don't think anybody at Alabama is, you know, scheming for a good punt game, but you hear what I'm saying. Tommy Reese, game control, all that, it starts with him as the OC. So he's definitely holding some keys for Alabama. Let's talk about Ohio State now. We had Ryan Day on the show last week, and he told us that they have to see what these quarterbacks look like when the lights are bright. I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but that, that was kind of the gist of what he said. Go check out that interview on this channel if you haven't already. Uh, don't do that right now, though. Watch the rest of the show and then go do that. But what I'm trying to say is they don't know who's playing quarterback at Ohio State, but they have a first-world problem there. Like You got two five-star quarterbacks, whether it's Devin Brown, whether it's Kyle McCord. A lot of coaches would give their left arm and their kicker to be able to have one of those guys on their roster. They got both of them. The thing with Ohio State is the rest of the roster – is in a place to compete for a national title. Ryan Day said it. He's like, we have some of the best depth on the defensive side of the ball. They got Marvin Harrison Jr. They got Emeka Egbuka. They got Travion Henderson. They got Mayan Williams. Ohio State's going to be really good everywhere around the quarterback. My question for the quarterback is, can you capitalize on all the firepower around you? Because I think the defense, quite frankly, I think if they had this personnel defensively, from a depth standpoint and a comfortability in the scheme standpoint, a season ago with C.J. Stroud, I think they probably at least play for a national title. Like, I think the defense probably holds up their end of the bargain a little bit better against Georgia in that college football playoff game. And maybe we have a different thing we're saying about Ohio State this coming season. But even so, Kyle McCord, Devin Brown, whoever it is, the quarterback room is what holds the keys for Bama, for Bama, for Ohio State. Bama will be impacted, I'm sure, by what Ohio State does. So you catch my drift there, but quarterback room. Who's it going to be? Doesn't matter. Well, it matters, but it doesn't matter which name you're putting in there. They have to be able to capitalize on the rest of the roster and the potential of what they have in front of them for Ohio State. Pretty straightforward. Last variable I want to talk about, last key to this college football playoff race I want to talk about right now at least, like I said, we'll probably do a part two here in the near future. The Georgia defense. 
And this is sort of twofold. The Georgia defense, which you could also look at the other side of that coin and say, well, Carson Beck is also a big part of that. But I want to focus on the Georgia defense here because I think there is the most proven with that group. You bring back 70% of the production from a season ago. Now you lose some key pieces now. Keely Ringo, gone to the league. Jalen Carter, gone to the league, even though he was dinged up last year. With this Georgia defense and what you have coming back, it will be a bit of a situation where, and I'll say it will be, it could be a position where you ask them to kind of hold it down while Carson Beck gets his feet underneath him. And I said this before, I think Carson Beck's going to be a great quarterback for you at Georgia. Like, I'm very excited about what he's going to bring to the table in Athens. I think he's going to be phenomenal. But the reality is, we haven't seen him yet. <laughs> you know, I mean, Rusty Mansell from Dogs HQ has a, has a phrase, he talks about meaningful minutes. Haven't seen any meaningful minutes from Carson Beck. He hasn't started a week one game where it's, hey, Carson Beck, you're our guy. Going into the week on Monday, you're our guy. Like, haven't lived in that world just yet, if you're a Georgia fan. And so the reason why I put Georgia and their defense as the key to the college football playoff race, can you hold it down while Carson Beck gets acclimated? Because really, I mean, there, there's a couple of games here that you're looking at South Carolina early. If South Carolina scores some points and, and puts some pressure on the Georgia offense, is Carson Beck able to step in and answer that call to action? Playing Tennessee the last, or excuse me, second to last game of the year. That'll be a high-pressure scenario for Carson Beck. Is the defense able to hold it down and, and, and you know, sort of make it a, a game where he doesn't have to answer scores every single drive? I think they can do it, but I just need to make sure we're on the same page here. That's a very big variable for Georgia. I expect them to be up to the level or close to the level that they played at a season ago, but they have to do that early to give Carson Beck some time to sort of get his sea legs, is my personal opinion. So, for me... The college football playoff race, some of the keys, you look at Michigan and J.J. McCarthy. Does he evolve and make them as dangerous through the air or almost as dangerous through the air as they are on the ground? Balance is just tough to game plan for. Alex Grinch, the D.C. at USC, a lot is going to be on him to capitalize on that new personnel they have because USC, man, they're not thinking just New Year's Six Bowl. They're not just thinking, oh, let's compete for a Pac-12 title. They, they got their sights set on a college football playoff berth and a national title. Because Caleb Williams, man, he ain't coming back. I'll leave it at that. Tommy Reese, the OC at Bama, the new OC at Bama. There's a new, there's a new, uh, a new philosophy in Tuscaloosa. And it's a lot like the old philosophy they used to have, which is we're going to run the football at you. We're going to control this game and make you say uncle. How Tommy Reese calls the offense will be a big part of that. The Ohio State quarterback room, you got two five stars. Whoever steps in there has got to be able to capitalize on the talent on this roster. So many weapons offensively. The defense, I think, will be better. So you look at the quarterback and say, can you take us there? Devin Brown, comma court, doesn't matter. Someone's got to be able to get it done. It's a Ferrari they're driving, and they're not just going to take it out in the you know slow lane and kind of cruise. Like It's going to be a Ferrari. We're going 80 miles an hour. The standard is the standard in Columbus, like Ryan Day said. Last thing, the Georgia defense. Got to hold it down while Carson Beck gets acclimated. Now, how long that takes, far be it for me to tell you, but I think there will be a point in time where the defense needs to be leaned on. You got a first-year starting quarterback or assumed starting quarterback with Carson Beck. So those are the teams to hold the keys to the college football playoff race. Getting ever so closer to week zero of the college football season. Should be a whole lot of fun. 
Man, appreciate everybody tuned in live right now. I say live, tuned in in real time with us right now. Make sure you like the video. Little thumbs up icon under the picture seen right now. We got a streak going now. Got a streak of 100 likes before we get off air. Can we keep that going? I say can we. Could we please keep that going is my request. So if we can just like that under the video, we will be in good shape to keep rolling. So thank you in advance for that. All right, now, listen, I'm not... I'm not a big finance guy or finance guy. Like that wasn't what I studied in college. A lot of people that I know do that much better than me. But one thing that I think uh, I, I do understand and do have a good gauge for is college football stocks, college football teams as stocks. And so the question I want us to unpack together right now is what teams, what programs would you buy stock in? Here's the big caveat for the next five years. So not just this coming season, I'm talking about long-term. You're investing in this, and this is where you'd put your money. Let's go one for each of the Power Five conferences. What schools are you investing in? And I start in the SEC because there is uh, a saying that they have that is, it just means more. So we will uh, appeal to that right now. And let's talk about the SEC. The school that I would put stock in, it'd be easy to say Georgia. Quite frankly, that's a pretty expensive stock, and there's not too much analysis that goes into that you could say Bama good for you Nick Saban's the head coach there I'm going to go ahead and invest in LSU because for LSU the stock is probably still pretty expensive I mean Brian Kelly got him to an SEC title game in his first year as the head coach but here's where I fall with LSU history is a phenomenal teacher history has a funny way of repeating itself and if that's the case if history is our teacher here with LSU I'm trusting the head coach at LSU to win a national title. I mean, the coaches before Brian Kelly have done that. And to be real, Brian Kelly's resume speaks for itself. He's won everywhere he's been. He's proven he can and will recruit as LSU took to the trail a season ago in 2023 and got a phenomenal class together. Like, Brian Kelly, if he's able to put a fence around the state of Louisiana and get his culture in place in LSU, that thing is going to hum pretty quickly like you've already seen it work in his first year there i'm telling you long term i fully expect him to win a national to win a national championship i'll say that one more time with brian kelly his track record how he's going to recruit how they're going to do things the history at lsu the resources the talent they're surrounded by in the state of louisiana it is not a matter of if in my mind it is a matter of when for brian kelly winning a national title. Now, that's the question I guess we're posing here is when does that happen? I don't know, but I have a, a very difficult time believing that he doesn't get it done at some point in time for LSU. So for that reason, I'm probably paying a, a pretty penny for this, but I'm going to go ahead and make sure I buy stock in LSU over the next five years. So that's LSU for you when it comes to who we're buying stock in the SEC. But really quickly, make sure you're subscribed right here. We talk college football every single day. We're live on Tuesdays. We're live on Thursdays. Heck, we're on podcast. Wherever you get them. Apple, Spotify, you type in the hard count. I promise you we're there. So we appreciate you in advance for locking in with us. And we appreciate you in advance also for liking the video. Thank you so much for that. All right, let's move on along here. Uh, let's talk about the Big Ten. Who are we buying stock in in the Big Ten over the next five years? Again, it'd be easy to say Ohio State because they've won a lot. It'd be easy to say Michigan. Yeah, great job. They've won the last two Big Ten titles. Penn State, yeah, 
I see that too. Uh, we're actually going to try and get a, a better bargain here than we did in the SEC. I'm going to go ahead and invest in Wisconsin. And when I say I'm investing in Wisconsin, I'm investing in Luke Fickle, man. I would follow Luke Fickle into a dark alley without any hesitation. He has won everywhere he's been. He is pumping new life into that operation from a recruiting perspective. And they're going to have a new age offense with Phil Longo. I say new age, new age relative to what Wisconsin has been. Because you think Wisconsin, you think of probably heavy squat numbers. You think of an offensive line that just pummels the opposition. You think of cold weather games. Wisconsin just dominates on the ground. And they are going to still have that old school identity and mentality, I believe. But now you're bringing in Phil Longo's offense, and Phil Longo was previously overseeing Drake May at North Carolina, and that worked out just fine. They're going to be a little bit more wide open. They're going to spread it out. Like They're going to still throw the football now. They're going to throw the football now at Wisconsin. So new age offense plus old school mentality, I think it breeds balance. And here's the thing about balance. Balance is just hard to game plan for. Like, to be real, if I don't know if you're going to run the football at me with Braylon Allen or whoever the next great Wisconsin running back is, because we all know they're probably going to still recruit great at that running back position going forward at Wisconsin, or if you're going to try and go vertical against me, like, as a defensive coordinator, that's just a difficult position to put me in when I'm game planning during the week. So being able to keep teams off balance by having balance offensively for Wisconsin, I'm buying into that. So keep an eye on them, especially as the college football playoff expands. Whether you're picking Wisconsin to eventually be the king of the Big Ten or not, that's not what we're talking about here. I think Wisconsin, when this playoff expands, could be a team that gives uh, gives us a little bit of a team to watch, to say the least. So like Wisconsin a lot. I like Will, I like Luke Fickle a lot. And uh, we'll take them and get a pretty good price, actually, I think, when it comes to buying stock for Wisconsin. Now, let's move along here to the ACC. This is a team that I think we're probably getting a really good price on. The Miami Hurricanes are who I'm buying stock in in the ACC. And Florida State's too expensive for me. Clemson's too expensive for me. We spent some money on LSU. For Miami, I just, I'm buying Mario Cristobal. Like this whole thing is contingent upon Mario Cristobal in my mind because he's also a guy that's won everywhere he's been, was at FIU, was at Oregon, did great things there. And he's a coach who is a dog of a recruiter. Like he knows what he's looking for and he goes and, and makes it a priority to acquire top talent. But also, he's not in Eugene, Oregon anymore. No shade against Eugene, Oregon. But to be in Miami, to be surrounded by some of the top high school talent in the country now, I think that's a pretty good situation for Miami fans. Because to, to have that much talent around you and to prioritize acquiring talent, like I'm just saying, I think that's going to be a really exciting thing to watch for the good people in Coral Gables. I think they'll get a lot of the top guys once they get that thing rolling. And I would also say this, he gets Miami. And some of that probably translates to being able to pitch kids on the recruiting trail. Like Miami didn't have a great year last year. It was his first season as the head coach. They had a top 10 class in 2023. They missed a bowl game and had a top 10 class. That's saying something. That tells you about the efficacy of Mario Cristobal as a recruiter. I think that tells you still about the brand power within the state of Florida. He gets what Miami is too when it's rolling. He understands that. He's from Miami. He is Miami. And so for that reason, I think it is truly a matter of time before he gets that thing turned around headed in the right direction. And I don't think it'll be an enormously long time until he does it. 
he said it too when he was on this show. He's like, I have given every ounce of myself to get Miami football back to where it needs to be. Like, it's personal for him. It's personal for Mario Cristobal that Miami football, that the U gets back to being the U. So we're buying stock in Miami, and we're feeling pretty good about doing it. Let's jump on back out to the West Coast here in the Pac-12. Love USC. I love USC. But the, the, the way that I'm going to lean here when it comes to buying stock, I'm going to go at a lower price point but still have to probably pay a pretty penny. I'm going with Oregon. Now, USC, to be clear, they're going to the Big Ten, so they're not really even in this conversation to begin with. But for Oregon, I'm buying Oregon and I'm buying Dan Lanning. And you're going to hear a lot of rumblings, I believe, throughout the next couple of seasons, heck, maybe even this offseason, when big-time jobs become available, what Dan Lanning has done at Oregon is going to be appealing to a lot of those other big-time jobs. Now, Oregon itself, I believe, is a big-time job. you got the resources, you got the branding, you got Nike. Like, there's a lot to like about Oregon. And that's the reason why I'm buying stock in them. Also, kind of like I alluded to at the top of talking about Oregon, USC and UCLA, two schools that have had a lot of success within the Pac-12, most recently USC, I suppose. But those two schools, they're going to the Big Ten. And so the way that I see it, those are two more spots that become available or two less competitors that you have to deal with when it comes to recruiting and when it comes to on the field on, on a Saturday afternoon. When it comes down to that, that's kind of the, the deal for me. So I think it's a whole new opportunity. And yeah, like I said, the brand, the resources, Dan Lanning, like I believe in how he recruits. He's going to recruit hard. I'd be surprised if Oregon doesn't have somewhere in the range of a top 10 class when we're sitting here on signing day. Dan Lanning recruits, and he has a national reach, too. We already see it with this 2024 class. He's going to Maryland. He's going to Oklahoma. Like He's grabbing top talent from places that are all over the country. You need to do that at Oregon by nature of the location of where the school is, and Dan Lanning gets it, and he knows how to do that. So for Oregon, school that I'm investing in, if I were buying stock in a college football team over the next five years, I, I want to talk about the Big 12 last year and to school that we uh we've talked about probably more than other shows just to, to be real i mean texas tech is the school that i'm investing in for the next five years joey mcguire is going to crush it when it comes to recruiting at the high school level in the state of texas you say why is that he was a high school coach in the state of texas he's got those relationships he knows where to go and he's really good at getting those kids to commit like playing his day Playing his day. Like, I'd be surprised if Texas Tech isn't. How do I say this? I would be surprised if Texas Tech isn't in the top two in the Big 12 Conference on signing day with the team recruiting rankings. Like, that's truly how I feel. I think Joy McGuire is pumping life into that operation, and there's no more Oklahoma, and there's no more Texas. So, if you recruit the state of Texas well, you're going to have a really good chance to make some noise in that conference. So, Joey McGuire has waited a long time to be a head coach at the collegiate level and is making the most of it, from what I can tell, with what he's doing in Lubbock right now. So, teams that I'm buying stock in, to recap it for you, in the SEC, we're taking LSU. It's probably going to cost us a bit to buy that stock, but still, we're going to do it anyway. The Big Ten, we're buying Wisconsin. Love Luke Fickle. I love what they're doing there. In the ACC, we're buying Miami. Mario Cristobal has won everywhere he's been. I don't think that changes. He's back home in Coral Gables. Keep an eye on what the Hurricanes do, especially on the recruiting trail in the state of Florida. In the Pac-12, Dan Lanning in Oregon. 
They're making it a point to get out and about and get the top talent. They don't care where they go, and they have the ability to do it because of the branding of Oregon and the resources they have in place there. Lastly, like I was just talking about, Joy McGuire is going to recruit Texas well, and that's something you need to do to win in the Big 12. And kind of just college football in general. So those are teams we're buying stock in, and uh, yeah, we're going to feel pretty good about the return on investment here over the next couple of years. Schedule prediction season keeps on rolling. We had the Ohio State Buckeyes head coach Ryan Day on the show last week, and I feel like it's about time we give a record prediction for what Ohio State's going to do in 2023. So without further ado, let's jump on into it. Ryan Day talked about it in our interview. He's like, listen, the standard is the standard here. We asked him actually at the end of that interview, have you communicated expectations to your guys in-house, you know, with this offseason, how you guys are approaching it? And he's like, listen, listen, the, the standard is the standard. We, we know what the standard is. Our guys, they know what the standard is. It's win the rivalry game. He made it a, a, a point to not say Michigan, and it's win the Big Ten, and it's win a national title. So Ohio State now hasn't done that the last two years, and the real question for me and for I think most of the country is who's playing quarterback? Heck, that might be the real question for Ohio State internally. And they're going to let them battle it out. They're going to let them get after it, whether it's Devin Brown or Kyle McCord. It's a five-star problem. Like, literally, you have two five-stars in your quarterback room. A lot of coaches would do a lot of things to have that. But outside of the quarterback position, I don't have a ton of questions. Like, the, the offensive skill players are ridiculous. You got Marvin Harrison Jr., who legitimately position aside, could be the best player in college football. Probably him, Brock Bowers, Caleb Williams, Drake May. Like, you hear what I'm saying? You got an absolute freak show playing receiver for you. Travian Henderson, Mayan Williams, they're going to run the football, I would imagine, very effectively. Mecca Egbuka. Like, you go down the list here, so much talent offensively. Now, they've retooled some pieces on the offensive line. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But even defensively, I think some people look at Ohio State and they see the defense as the weak link. I don't think that's the case. I mean, I, I really don't. I think the personnel is in a place that makes them as competitive as they've ever been on that side of the football. They went to the portal and got themselves some dudes in the secondary, Jihad Carter at safety being one of them, who they have raved about so far during spring ball in Columbus. Like, I don't think personnel is the problem. The reason why I'm a little bit more encouraged outside of personnel at Ohio State this coming season on the defensive side of the football is it's going to be their second year under D.C. Jim Knowles. And Jim Knowles' defense is very, very difficult to process. Like, it's a lot of rule-breaking tendencies. I say rule-breaking. As a defensive player, there's just some things that are second nature for you to do in a defense. Jim Knowles' defense, without boring you too much, is just counterintuitive, to put it simply. And so going into your second year under Jim Knowles, there is going to be more comfortability. There's going to be more familiarity with this scheme. It's going to be a lot less thinking, a lot more just letting your instincts kick in and, and letting you play. And the reason why I think that's important to say is people look at the Michigan game and they say, well, they just got out toughed. Some of that could be true. I'm not saying that's just not a factor, but you look at the big plays that Michigan had. I look at those and I see self-inflicted wounds by Ohio State. The big run by Donovan Edwards. We got a miscommunication in the secondary, it looks like, or we're not playing our assignment in the secondary. It wasn't a physical error. Look at that deep pass that Michigan completed to to go ahead in, in the, I believe it was, first half of that game. We were there, so we should probably know that a little bit more definitively. That was a breakdown 
in terms of the scheme. You had a guy fall down. He was out of position, trying to get back in position and like fell down. Mental error that translated to a physical error. And so the second year in the scheme, when you're more comfortable and you know the scheme and you feel like you are playing more fluid, you don't have to think so much. And when you're not having to think, that takes away the potential for you know you to get your, your feet crossed and fall down and a guy runs past you, completes a deep pass. Takes away the physical errors. Takes away the mental errors because you're just more locked into what you need to do. You're not having to second guess yourself. So the mental and physical errors that we saw from Ohio State in big games, and Ryan Day alluded to it during our conversation, I don't think we see as much of that from the Buckeyes this coming season. So you add the personnel with the comfortability on the the scheme part of things, and you add in the potential of what you could have offensively. Like if they get the quarterback position right, there is no reason Ohio State can't get back to the college football playoff and accomplish all of their goals. So that's the first part about Ohio State. We'll talk about the prediction here in just a second. Make sure you're subscribed right here to the On3 YouTube channel. We talk college football every day. You love the sport. We love the sport. I'm not going to bore you too much more, but just make sure you're subscribed, all right? We want you a part of this. So thank you in advance for that. All right, so our prediction for Ohio State, let's take a quick look at their schedule and the gauntlet they have to run here. They play at Notre Dame early. They also have Penn State at Wisconsin at Michigan. Those are all the, the, the three Big Ten games you worry about. Again, at Notre Dame will be a tricky one. But to be honest here, the floor I see for Ohio State, it's probably 10-2. and two. Like That's probably the, the worst thing that could happen to Ohio State is you lose two games. So that should tell you a lot about the roster you have in-house. When I look at Ohio State... I have enough of a check in my evaluation of them that I just I need to see some things come together. Like, for example, the quarterback position, I think it's going to work. I think they're going to be just fine. But I didn't love what I saw from Kyle McCord in the spring game. Now the spring game is a glorified practice. We haven't seen Devin Brown. We'll see. Okay, we'll see. I just need to see it from the quarterback position to feel 100% confident or as confident as you can going into the season. Other piece of this is they had to retool the offensive line just a little bit. It wasn't a complete overhaul, but you know they had to make some tweaks. And so with that being said, when I look at Ohio State, I think the record you feel good about predicting is 11-1. So I'm predicting 11-1 for Ohio State heading into the season. I'll say this though, I think they will absolutely be in that college football playoff conversation. Now, when anytime you lose a game, you kind of leave your fate in someone else's hands. So you know, keep in mind what that could look like. But 12-0 and 0 is very much so attainable. And that's what you want at Ohio State. That's what you believe is the standard and is the standard, to be clear. If the quarterback picks up where C.J. Stroud left off, whether it's Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, they're going to be cooking with gas. Okay, because the defense, I think, if you paired this defense with C.J. Stroud from a year ago, I think Ohio State's probably playing for a national title. I truly believe that. They're going to be more comfortable on defense. They have more depth on defense. And I just think if the quarterback doesn't miss a beat, which is saying a lot, it's asking a lot, I think 12-0 is definitely a place you could arrive at. So for Ohio State, the standard is the standard. Ryan Day made no hesitations about that. But for me, 11-1 feels like a fair record to predict right now in June for the Ohio State Buckeyes for 2023. So we'll keep an eye on that one, man. But I'm telling you, you cannot overstate the importance of going into your second year in a difficult, complex defense like Jim Knowles runs at Ohio State. 
now to talk some summer recruiting, kind of a summer recruiting 101, if you will. We bring on the man, the myth, the legend, national recruiting analyst for us here at On3, Josh Newberg. Josh, how we doing, brother? It's a great day. Not every day do I get to come on the hard count with you, JD, so I'm, I'm just happy to be here. Man, we're happy to have you here. I know the people would agree. There's a lot to unpack right now with the summer season of recruiting. Like, recruiting never stops. You and I both know that. But especially in the summertime, you got official visits galore. And there's a portion of college football fans that kind of just show up for week zero. And it's like, hey, my team's playing, so I'm here. But a lot of what happens with, you know, putting these teams together happens during the summer. So I just kind of want to throw this one out there for you, Josh. What is the importance of summer recruiting, and what's one thing fans should know about it as we get into the summer season? I really appreciate those week zero recruiting fans, but they got to realize they're week zero fans because they know, hey, I got three months to kind of get familiar with recruiting because November, December, and January are the big recruiting months. Well, not anymore. Official visits during the summer have changed that, and now June and July kind of look more like November and December if you're a week zero recruiting fan. So you need to be tuned in to where these guys are going. Top recruits right now are packing out the month of June with official visits. Now, you can take unlimited visits, but the way that some of these coaches are booking big visit weekends, you would think that signing day is coming in July and not December and February. So it's an interesting strategy, and there are some big visit weekends taking place all across the country. Your favorite Power 5 team is probably having one this weekend or next weekend. And believe me, if you're a Week Zero fan, you are going to want to tune in now starting in June rather than September. And you mentioned that now kids can take unlimited official visits. When it comes to these kids taking visits, like I know you've told me this here, hey, track the visits, the, you know, men lie, women lie. Visits ain't going to lie to you. Do those visits still hold the same amount of weight in the summer as you know maybe they used to when you had a limit on them? You know, I think so. We're going to see because this is all new, so we're working it out. But some of these top programs, they just know, hey, we need to get our guys on campus now or do we need to get them in in the fall? Right now, you're seeing a lot of coaches going with the fact that let's get them in early. Everybody's bringing them in early. Early commitments start happening in June, July, and even before the season begins. So I think NIL maybe kind of solidifies commitments a little bit more than it used to now that the fact that you can you can ink an NIL deal or you can come to an agreement on an NIL deal. Of course, that's not binding, but it could solidify some of these summer commitments that happen due to early official visits. And Josh, you said it, a lot of these commitments happening in the summer, one commitment position group that's happening a lot right now is the quarterbacks like we talk about official visits in, in the summer a lot of these top guys I mean Dylan Riola being one of them commit even before they take their official visit to these schools what what's the importance of that and, and what should fans evaluate that as for their team yeah, I know a lot of fans are probably thinking like, well, if these are the big official visit months, then why are quarterbacks already committed? Well, there's a strategy behind it. Right now, college football, and it has been for a while, is driven by the quarterback position. So it's no, it's no surprise that recruiting classes are also driven by the quarterback position, and top teams get elite arms 
on their commitment list early so that they can be there during these summer months to help recruit. They can be a peer-to-peer recruiter. Yeah, it's great to have the coaching staff there talking to these kids and their parents about what the school has to offer, but there's nothing like another recruit coming up to you and telling your family why he committed and why he wants you to come join him at Georgia, at Tennessee, at Ohio State, at some of these big programs you see peer-to-peer recruiting is actually one of the best tools when it comes to landing top prospects. And you mentioned it, the quarterback position itself, like the quarterback, it, I mean, it, it's one of the most integral pieces of any roster. And so to know that, hey, we have our guy at quarterback, top receiver, come and play with us here or running back, you're going to be able to have a little bit of a uh, lighter box because of what they're demanding in the past game. Like I, I, I'm 100% in agreement with you there. It's uh, just fascinating to watch all these dominoes fall. And you mentioned the quarterback dominoes. Is there a little bit of a piece there with the QB market and pressure on those guys to make a decision sooner rather than later on their side of things? Yeah, because quarterbacks don't make or break a recruiting class, but they do provide the foundation of a recruiting class. So they understand if you're a top quarterback, hey, I'm only as good as the running back that's going to run the ball. I'm only as good as the wide receiver that's going to catch the passes. So quarterbacks kind of stake their flag early. They commit early. They make their presence felt. And then they can be there to kind of be the, you know, wave the flag, so to say, of during the summer and really into the fall because some of these wide receivers and running backs are going to be watching highlight tapes of top quarterbacks and seeing who they want to play with. Josh, there are definitely some of us that will say, you know what, wake me up on signing day. Like, I, I will look at the recruiting rankings loosely, and I'll kind of track that, but I don't really care too much until December and February. So those fans that really just track the recruiting rankings up until signing day. Right now, we're in the summer months. Obviously, we're talking about this whole segment. How much stock would you put into the recruiting rankings right now with however many months away till December and February? Kind of like the stock market. Funny that you say, you know, how much stock do you put into it? Well, do you just wait for quarter four earnings to come out? Or are you following the ups and downs, trials, tribulations of the stock market every day? And that's kind of how recruiting rankings go. Charles Power and the boys at On3 do an incredible job of getting on these guys early rankings, doing all their evaluations throughout the year. So now we're in the summer months. We got the Elite 11. We got summer camps. We got seven on sevens. And these are all kind of benchmark moments to kind of look at Charles Powers' rankings and say, does it match up with what I see? Or is this player playing above his ranking, below his ranking? Because we know that the fall is coming. Their senior season's coming up. And when we talk about what goes into rankings more than anything, it's senior film. So Charles Power, he's going to have his work cut out for him this season, but all of this goes into that final evaluation in the fall. So it's kind of fun, like a stock. Hey, did we get this guy low and we're going we're gonna to watch him rise up the rankings throughout the year? I think it's just a, a fun benchmark for college football fans to follow and a good way to follow your team. Yeah, Charles Power, Director of Scouting and Rankings here. Like, dude just inhales film like I'm, I, he comes in the office now and then to you know i think collaborate on ideas and kind of get um synced up with what we're going to do from a rankings perspective but whenever he's in the office he's got like two monitors going he's got multiple games like the guy is locked and loaded all of the time uh josh i want to ask you this coach prime a guy who made a lot of noise at the bell last year more or less around signing day landed some top commitments what do you expect from him in the summer 
as it pertains to the recruiting trail. Ooh. So Coach Prime, a lot of hype, a lot of substance there. He is getting guys on campus, but I'm kind of noticing a strategy taking place in Colorado. And it makes sense to me. Uh, Colorado is bringing in official visitors, but they're having three guys come in, four guys come in a weekend. And, yes, they are landing some commitments. Brandon Davis Swain out of the state of Michigan, a big-time D lineman in Big Ten country that Deion Sanders goes and gets. He goes to Florida and gets Zykaro Lewis to commit over the – over two weekends ago. And what I think is happening, though, is Coach Prime's kind of putting a lot of these official visits in his back pocket and not using them as much as some programs are in the summer. I'm seeing official visit weekends with 16, 18, 20 guys on campus. The Florida Gators are going to have close to 40 official visitors during the month of June. However, if you know Coach Prime and his style, he does his best work at the end of the cycle. He flipped Dylan Edwards from Notre Dame at the end of the cycle. He lands Cormani McLean. He gets Travis Hunter right before the bell rings, steals him away from Florida State two years ago. So what I think Coach Prime is going to do is he's going to gear up for a late run. And it does, it, it's fine. Hey, you go and take your official visits in June. You commit to wherever you want to commit. Bless your heart. Coach Prime is still going to be there in December getting you to come on campus. You know it's going to be impactful. You know it's going to be emotional. And you could be committed to a program for 11 or 12 months, but if you flip on signing day and you sign with Colorado, it's a done deal. That's You're heading to Boulder, Colorado. So I'm watching Coach Prime work this summer. I think he's doing a good job of getting guys on campus, but I think what he's really doing is gearing up for some big-time flips, some big-time additions right before signing day. Bless your heart. I need that on a sweatshirt with like a Colorado logo. Bless your heart. Maybe a picture of Coach Prime while we're at it. Uh, Josh, Coach Prime and, and what they're doing at Colorado, that makes a lot of sense because if, if the last person I talked to is Deion Sanders and my recruitment, like it, it would be very difficult for me not to have like that recency bias to lean towards a school like Colorado. But Josh, if they get them on campus later in the year, like kind of those November, maybe December months, um, it's going to be cold. Like, and if I'm a kid from Florida, or I'm a kid from the Southeast or maybe even California, like I would have to imagine that plays some sort of factor, no matter how small. Is there a strategy for these cold weather schools? We saw Notre Dame last year use a lot of their official visits early and ended up losing guys like Keon Keeley, like Peyton Bowen. Is there a thought process there for some of these schools that maybe get a little bit colder later in the year? There definitely is, and I've seen this through the years, even well before when official visits weren't allowed in the summer. You would see Big Ten schools like a Michigan, like an Ohio State, Purdue, some of these teams up north. They don't mind bringing recruits in in September for an official visit. They want to get you on campus before it gets brutally cold. But, hey, at the end of the day, Deion Sanders is trying to land an elite talent. And if an elite talent has an issue with the cold weather, what are you going to do when the New England Patriots come and draft you in the first round? Say, thanks, coach, but I don't really want to play in cold weather. You know, if the Detroit Lions have the number one pick, you're going to pass on going to Detroit? No, you're going to go there. It's it's a job. Hey, with NIL and the way that this college football is going, you got to start treating it as a business early. And I think if Colorado can still provide an opportunity for you to get better as a player, to get better off the field as a student, and still make the NFL, I don't think that the, a little bit of cold weather in Boulder, Colorado is going to stop an elite recruit from coming. Especially if Deion Sanders is the head coach talking Absolutely. to you. Maybe it's cold, but having that face-to-face with him, I would imagine, is a huge factor in any young man's decision to end up committing to Colorado. Well, ask Josh Newberg. 
make sure you are subscribed right here to the on three youtube channel mm -hmm. so you don't miss his show the inside scoop which is more in-depth analysis on recruiting certain prospects where they're headed to school you don't want to miss it so make sure you're locked in here follow josh on twitter you will not be sorry josh appreciate you man we'll do it again real soon anytime jd love coming here love the hard count nobody better man in the industry josh newberg national recruiting list for sure <laughs> sorry i'll try that one more time sorry brother does that mess you up Okay, three, two, one. Nobody better in the industry, man. Josh Newberg, appreciate him making time for us, drop some knowledge on us. I'm telling you, keep an eye on that now. Keep a pulse for what that's going to be for your team as these official visits get rolling and as you start to get a better gauge for how the rankings are shaping up going into fall. It's not necessarily, you know, an absolute, as we just talked about a second ago, but it's good to keep a pulse. Good to kind of have a gauge for where this thing is trending even in the summer months, because the summer months now where a lot of these teams make their head. So we appreciate y'all rocking with us. We talk college football every single day. We are on the air right now. We're typically live every single Tuesday, every single Thursday. If you're listening on podcast, nothing changes for you, but we're very, very glad to have you a part of this. We put out a tweet, I believe it was last week, maybe, maybe two weeks ago now, actually. And just ask, Hey, listen, listen, uh, where do you listen to the hard count is actually what we said. Where do you listen to the hard count? How do you listen to the hard count? Is it YouTube? Is it a podcast? And how do you listen? Are you doing it during your job? Is it during your internship? Is it at school? Like, like how are you consuming this content? Because we are the people show. So we want to hear how the people are consuming. And y'all got back with us with just incredible feedback. People doing their summer job, doing weed eating, getting back in us. I had one of y'all on Instagram get at me and say, you listen while you're painting rooftops. We had a, a policeman say he listens while he's on patrol. So for that, thank you. We're glad to be a part of what you're doing the day to day. And we cannot wait to keep this thing rolling. So before we get out of here, make sure you subscribe. Also, make sure you like the video. Got a streak of 100 likes before we get off air. Would love for y'all to like it. Little thumbs up icon under the video. Thank you in advance for doing that. All right, listen, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. We're going to keep this party rolling. We will see y'all next time. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets.
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.